We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. And it's exciting times for us because we're in that 30, what, almost 30-day period before the NFL draft is off. I think it's 31 or 32 days technically by the time of this recording. But we are excited to get into another draft profile today because it is Jalen Waddle, wide receiver, Alabama, a player who I think is well up the Giants draft board, a player who very well could be on this roster in a month from now, without a doubt in my mind, could be on this roster. I think he's one of their top targets um, and one of the more likely players to be drafted by the Giants. And so I'm excited to get into his profile in a little bit. I'm excited to do a lot of draft stuff. It's draft season. It's the best season, in my opinion, to be a Giants fan, to follow the New York Giants. Hope is it, hope springs eternal during the offseason, especially after that free agency. So I'm excited to dive into this player profile. Just a little uh, preview of what we've got coming for you at Big Blue Banter in the coming days and weeks and months. We're going to be doing a lot of draft profiles. We're going to try to get a bunch of prospects in before this draft. We're going to be doing some strategy talk, uh, some draft strategy talk. We're going to be doing some predictions as far as what we think the Giants will do in the draft. And we're going to have some guests on. Last year, we had a lot of great guests. We had John Ledyard. We had Krabs. We had Ryan Wilson. We had, I think we might have had Schofield. I'm not sure if we had him for the draft, but we had a lot of great play, uh, guys. And I've gotten some some locked up already, uh, some some awesome interviews we're going to have for these next few weeks. So I think we got a lot coming down the hatch, Nick. Before we get going on this Jalen Waddle. Uh, profile because again we don't have much Giants news to discuss. Let's talk about the life of Nick Filato. How are things going on that end? Have you improved your music takes? Have you dove into the world of eating some ice cream and chips on occasion? Have you? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, no, I have not had ice cream or chips in 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 quite a while, my man. But uh, I would say, uh, well, I just got an iMac, 
So I'm trying to upgrade my computer game and I'm trying to master a couple different softwares there. And hopefully we have more things to come for what you and I do for the future. But we'll see. Time will tell. So I think that's a that's a big step just in life, just being able to upgrade from a really crappy laptop that's loud and just <laughs> doesn't process things quickly and you know you open your browser and half the letters aren't there and that's how i've been working <laughs> for a while it's it's insane really if you if you think about it to uh to a really pristine imac so i think that that was a that's definitely a step in the right direction for me and i'm also watching ozark which is a pretty cool show yeah ozark to me you, you brought up you're watching ozark i think there were other shows i feel like ozark to me is is a good show I, i've watched the entire show i like it um, I think there are some shows you skipped over that you might have liked more, but I will say that to start. I don't. I wouldn't put it in my elite tier one. I I put it though in probably in the tier two. I would say maybe the two three border for me. But it's definitely a great show. It's definitely interesting. Wendy's amazing. Ruth is amazing. Bateman's great in everything he does. To me, it's a little at times unbelievable. I would say less believable than some of those like great type of shows, like the Breaking Bad's of the world, the Americans of the world, even Justified to some extent, which I like a lot. The Shield, all those types of shows, but that are that are similar in intensity. But it does have that intense factor at a lot of times, and there's nothing better than watching a show that keeps you on the edge of your seat. Absolutely, man, and uh, it's great. I was just I just googled the American because. I'm not sure if The American is the show where my buddy's sister is actually the actress, but I might be confusing it with another The Americans. Show. It's called The Americans, actually. The Americans, yeah. I think my buddy's sister might actually be the – is there a young girl in that show, like a, like a daughter? Yeah, Paige. She's yeah, one of the Holly best Taylor. in the show. Yeah, Holly, Holly Taylor is a, a buddy of mine that I served with in the Marine Corps. That's his sister. That's actually out of control because The Americans, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated shows of all time, and it had an unbelievable ending to the show that she plays a huge role in and she was just awesome in the entire time. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I would highly suggest for anyone listening to this pod or Nick as and Nick to you as well to give Americans a shot. I think it's the best spy show in the last 10 years and the intensity level in that really ratchets ratchets up at times. Oh, I absolutely will, especially because Phil, Phil's my guy, man. Philly Taylor. Yeah, now that you know that, I feel like we can lock you in. So so definitely get on that as well. But let's talk a little Jalen Waddle here because it's time to get into the Waddle. Waddle, 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 the most explosive prospect in this draft, in my opinion, and I'm sure in yours as well, Nick. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle, a player who we think has a pretty strong chance of being on the board at 11 for the Giants. I mean, I probably think he has a better chance of being on the board than you might because I just think in general these wide receivers are not going as high as people think they are. Because remember, last year everybody said the same thing, and then what happened? Henry Ruggs. Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who in my opinion might be, I still think Lamb is the best prospect of any of both these classes and for what I like in a prospect. And I think he will end up being the best of the bunch in the NFL as well. And he went what in the teens. So again, everybody overrates when these receivers are actually going to come off the board, but 510, 182 pounds was rated as the number fifth receiver overall coming out of high school by 24 seven sports. He owns three of the five longest receiving touchdowns in Alabama history. His 18.9 yards career yards per reception is the second best of all time in Bama history. His 19.3 yards per return punt return average is the best in Bama history and six full yards more than any other return man in Bama history. So, Nick, Jalen Waddle, let's get right to it. Start by breaking down his strengths that you watched on film and then we'll hold off and then we'll get into the weaknesses. Yeah, man, Jalen Waddle, he's very, very fun to watch. And kind of going into his evaluation, you think he's just going to be that 
oh, you know, explosive guy, kind of one trick pony, more like a Miko Hardman coming out of Georgia. But then when you start really diving into his tape, you're like, holy crap, this guy is jumping over the top of defensive backs and high pointing balls and being kind of physical at the catch point for a five foot ten, 182 pound dude and he's also really good at catching the ball in traffic and from 2019 to 2020 if you watch some of his 2019 tape you see him at the line of scrimmage you know he can release and he can stack because he's so quick but it's not overly fluid it didn't seem like he had a great plan with his releases against certain types of coverages especially press alignment but then when you watch him in 2020 before he got injured you saw him be able to do that and then stack instantaneously because he is one of the quickest and most explosive players I've ever studied to be honest he literally is one of those players that has a first second third gear and safeties are like oh i got a beat on this guy when he hits that second gear he turns on that third gear and the jets are going and there's no catching up to someone like Jalen waddle you watch the tape against missouri man i'm not sure if you saw that game but he ended up having two really impressive touchdowns 134 yards caught eight balls and again was jumping over the top of people and kind of playing bigger than he is now i'm not saying he's jamar chase in that area because he's not but it showed me that he has more to his skill set than I originally kind of anticipated. And as I watched more film, you start seeing just not even the, the athletic ability. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> as you know, Dan, it's the his ability to explode and hit different types of gears and just the burst in the Tyreek Hill type of speed that he actually possesses, but also just the concentration and the ability to kind of win at the catch point, which was better than what I thought he was going to have going in. So I, I, I'm very high on Jalen Waddle. And I, I do believe he could be, or he very well might be there at 11. It just depends on what some of these other teams want. If they want to try to replicate what the Chiefs have with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill, that could be a course of action, but I can easily see him being there at pick 11. And I think he offers a ton of upside to any NFL team because defensive coordinators, I mean, (laughs) good luck. Good luck trying to figure out a way to cover this type of receiver and then contain the other weapons that an offense has. Yeah, I think you're spot on here, Nick, and we'll get to the weaknesses in a second. But I, I, I think going into watching Waddle, and I dove real deep into this rabbit hole of watching a lot of Waddle. I saw the game you referenced. That I think yeah, there was another one that was as equally as impressive to me. I believe it was Ole Miss. I'm not positive. But there was just there were multiple games you watch, and you're like, going in, I was like, am I going to love Waddle? Because my whole thing is I don't love investing in small players at 11 overall at a skill position because I think that just – leaves you open to an inherent risk of injuries, which he obviously had during 2021 season. But just when you invest in those type of prospects, there's so many moving parts that need to happen. Like, yes, everybody wants a Tyreek Hill, but a Tyreek Hill doesn't happen unless you have Patrick Mahomes who can get the ball to him from any arm angle, from a muddied pocket, from rolling to his right, from rolling to his left, from different, you know, different depths of the field. And I feel like a player like a chaser example, or, you know, Kyle Pitts is so much less reliant on a lot of other factors that go into making that work. Like, yes, it's going to be a nightmare for defensive coordinators to have to figure out how to stop a Jalen Waddle. But even if they blow that and some of the coverages get blown or there's just bad spacing in the defense that leads them being open, it still requires a quarterback who can get him the ball there on time and to different um, depths of the field and from maybe different arm angles and from muddy pockets and off balance bases if the offensive line breaks down so to me those type of receivers generally appeal to me less but like you said having watched him i think what's apparent is he is the most explosive receiver prospect i maybe have ever covered i don't think there's anyone else i watched on film at the college level like i think about rugs watching him last year that's who i think about most because 
I think ultimately with the rugs, he was actually really strong at the catch point too at the college level that people don't give him credit for. He wasn't as good at high pointing the balls as Waddle is, and he wasn't as good in the contested catch spots, but he was as as good in those spots. And but for rugs, for me, it's more of just deep straight line speed. For Waddle, it's that ability after the catch. It's that ability to eliminate angles. It's that ability to catch something in space and then take it. The distance when it looks like there's no way to do it because of where the safety is or because of where the corner is. And it's also that ability, I feel like, after the catch to kind of – he has those like short, choppy, quick steps, and he does a really good job of understanding the angles and where to actually move forward to maximize his yards after the catch. I mean this is a guy who averaged over 10 yards per reception after the catch, Nick. 10 yards per reception after the catch. That's an insane number to look at. And apparently he's also – it's like if you – he didn't run at Alabama's Pro Day. I know a lot of people wanted him to. They wanted to see what that 40 would be. But he reportedly ran a 4.37 coming out of, I think, high school. So I think he really could challenge like four low four threes if he were to actually run it. Like the straight line's also there like a rugs. I know. What did rugs run? I Did rugs run like a 4.34? Is that what it was? Do you remember that? I'm not 100% sure of the number. Yeah. Was it in the four twos or no? I like thought it was in nine? the fourth. Oh, it might have been all the way in the four twos, I think, actually. You know what? I think you're right. I think I remember now it wasn't quite the John Ross, but I think it, four two eight. That's what it is. Four two eight okay. for Henry Ruggs. I think Waddle would probably be more low three, four threes, but some people think he would run in that four two seven, four two eight range. I think more so with Waddle, though, it is what you said. It's that Odell Beckham in his prime-esque ability after the catch to just make angles. Like, remember the Odell Beckham touchdown against the Ravens uh, few multiple years back? It was a fourth do, down yes. situation. That angle looked literally impossible to score a touchdown on. And I think when you watch Waddle, you see so many examples of angles that look literally impossible to score a touchdown on that he somehow finds a way to score a touchdown on. So let's get into some of maybe the the weaknesses you saw or or just concerns, weaknesses, anything of that nature you saw when evaluating Waddle's tape, if there were any. Yeah, for me, there's the injury. I think that's something that you have to weigh in. It, it was a broken ankle, so you would imagine – after he came back in the national championship game, he wasn't a hundred percent, but you'd imagine he's going to be ready for training camp, OTAs, rookie mini camps, and all of those types of things. But you still, that has to be something that's weighed into the evaluation. The size, that's a concern because he's five ten, but is he five ten? He might be like a five <laughs> yeah. nine and some change, you know. So he's he's not a big guy. He's one hundred and eighty two pounds, and he's slight. And I know you've expressed a lot of concerns, Dan, about these smaller type of receivers, these leaner type of receivers, and I think that's a good concern to kind of express, if I'm going to be real. I do believe that that's something that you have to weigh in. And I think it may, it's going to relegate him more to a slot role, which is what he was in college as well. He played 68% of his snaps in 2020 in the slot. I think he can be on the outside. I think he's developed his release to a point where he can win in some situations there, but he might be best utilized in the slot. You give him a two-way go, have fun, Nickelback. Just have fun trying to cover this guy with a two-way go, not to mention he could blow the top. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Off the defense. So I think that's definitely a thing. But if you put them on the outside, now you're going to have to have probably have a safety that's going to have to shade way out there, which is going to open up the middle of the field. So can you imagine if he was on the Giants, you put him on the outside, you have to force a safety over there to help that corner. And now you have the middle of the field a little bit more open for like an Evan Ingram seam or something like that. Maybe we'll actually finally see that, Dan. But those would be. <laughs> Those would be my concerns is the injury and the size for me would be the ones. And honestly, just to go back to a strength that I didn't even mention, man, is that toughness over the middle of the field, bro. He takes some shots, bro. He really takes some shots and you're like, oh, he's dead. And then he just kind of gets up, points in the direction of the first down. You're like, oh, man, this guy is really, really tough over the middle of the field. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, we talked about all the explosive stats and the numbers that show just how good he is as everything. I mean, even just like when you watch the film on Waddle, how many times, Nick, did you see 20, 15, 20, 25 yards on the field? He gives that subtle step to the outside on a double move and then explodes back vertically. And it's like that one step, A, he's able to transition so well that far down the field to faking a move like that, a double move where he steps toward the outside and is able to then readjust all his body weight and explosiveness 
vertical again to get vertical, you know, to get vertical. But the D-backs, when he puts them in such a tough spot, like the safeties and all those spots, there were so many examples of him, just the safeties having to respect that little outside move to if he's potentially running that out. And then he just gets vertical again so fast and so quickly. Like you said, the speed is just crazy. The explosiveness is just crazy with a prospect like this that makes him, you know, the, the deep ball threat that he is. But what you said is true too. I mean, he had he was six of eight in contested catch situations over the last two seasons. That's despite playing only four games in 2021. Those numbers would be even higher otherwise. He's really tough and really good in contested catch situations, like you said. So honestly, I wrote down in my notes, and you already expressed this, and I agree with you. Best athlete I've seen on film so far. It's to me, it's not even close. Um, adding an athlete like this gives you so much upside uh, in your offense, but. You know, the deep ball numbers are there too, Nick. He caught 21 of 26 catchable targets on passes that were 20-plus yards down the field, and he had eight touchdowns on those plays. And that's per uh, fantasy uh, FTN, Fantasy Fanta Fans Net- Network. Um, he also had 21.1 yards per route run, Nick, which is in the 96th percentile, according to player profile, among all receivers uh, in his collegiate career. So this is a player who can do it all, I think. Like you said, loose hips, juice off the line of scrimmage, crazy breakaway speed, stronger at the catch point than you'd think. He gets up to full speed fast. Really, to me, with with Waddle, you're really looking at very few weaknesses. Like you said, I mean, the things we've mentioned are really just size and injuries, right? Like, there's not too much. And I guess the fact that, you know, he would have some question marks, I guess, if he lined up on the outside. Do you think he could win on the outside consistently? I mean, he has 127 snaps out there through his time in Alabama, so that's you know, two and a half seasons because he lost most of 2020 to that ankle injury. I don't think it's going to be something that he would consistently do, but I think you can align him out there and give him the opportunity to defeat whoever he's going up against. I mean, I don't believe a lot of people are going to want to try to press him because he's going to, if you don't execute a perfect press, you're done. (laughs) That honey hole, you're going to be wide open if you're outside. No safety is going to be able to get there. And that safety is going to have to drop to an incredible depth and could even open up the he in a choice offense could open up the middle of the field if say they decide to line up in a press alignment that guy misses Jalen Waddle quickly stacks now you have that safety kind of bailing to get over the top the cloud cover over the top of Jalen Waddle now you have that middle of the field open you know unless you drop the linebacker to a significant depth and that opens up underneath him for an easy check down that's going to be an easy seven to eight yards right there so there's it, it offers you a lot I think he can align there but I think ultimately he's going to end up being a slot yeah, there's no doubt about it. And here's another stat that stood out to me, Nick, that I wanted to go over on the podcast. This is according to Brett Whitefield of FTN. Waddle averaged 32 and a half yards per reception on targets that were five yards and beyond the line of scrimmage. Nobody in the last two draft classes, and these have been loaded draft classes receiver, nobody in the last two draft classes has come within eight yards of that average per reception on, again, targets five yards and beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, as Waddle. So it just goes to show just that pure explosiveness that he brings to the table. And before we get into some questions that I have for you, Nick, I did want to go over one more thing. Waddle is a player with high character. According to Nick Saban, uh, and he said this on the SEC Network, he talked about Devontae Smith and Waddle. He said, those two guys are special. First of all, they've obviously got special talent, but I can't say enough about them as football players. And I, and I'm sorry, he said, I can't say enough about the football them as football players but these guys also have great competitive character they're going to do the right thing in all situations so i think that's important to note obviously joe judge has the connection the pipeline to bama but obviously we also know that 
the Giants are planning to bring in high-character players, guys who they believe have that drive, guys who love to play football. So I think that's important to note as well, Nick. So let's get into some questions for you about Devontae Smith and – I'm sorry, about Jalen Waddell and how he might fit. Because I will say this, Nick, and we'll get to this on another podcast, but when you watch Waddle, you also see a lot of Devontae Smith, and man, he's really good too. I really am starting to like Devontae Smith a lot more just having watched so much Waddle as well. So we'll get to that later, but – Let's start here with a 30,000-foot view question for you, Nick. What does adding a prospect like Waddle with his speed and explosiveness do for an offensive coordinator? Let's not say Jason Garrett. Let's say any offense coordinator. It's a 30,000-foot view. So what does it do from a spacing standpoint and from a schematic standpoint when you add someone like this to your offense? Variety. That's what it does. It gives you so much variety because you can scheme up so many different touches beyond the or behind the line of scrimmage beyond the line of scrimmage i mean how many times did these alabama offensive coordinators whether it be sark or even lane kiffin have waddle in motion running towards the quarterback and then the snap happens then he just darts back outside and now that corner who was in man coverage has to try to recollect himself and cut that angle off while waddle catches an easy completion in the flat and then just kind of accelerates upfield. So it opens up so much of that pre-snap motion and then those just designed easy touches. And then the vertical aspect of it, you're, the safeties have to respect him. The defense has to respect him because if they do not, then it's going to be a huge chunk explosive plays. And that's what defenses are trying to do, limit explosive plays, obviously, and not allow teams to score. So what is that going to do? That's going to open up everything underneath in the intermediate in the underneath portions now you have Jalen Waddle you put him on the line of scrimmage say if it was for the New York Giants Dan you put him on the line of scrimmage right then you have Saquon Barkley what do teams always do they love to stack the box against Saquon Barkley force Daniel Jones to beat them it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that with Jalen Waddle there especially if you do split him out wide because not you're going to really trust that safety out there or that corner out there without any safety help to just guard Jalen Waddle consistently in man coverage. I mean, that, that's kind of a tall ask. So it opens up the run game as well. Adding these kind of explosive players, especially one as talented as Jalen Waddle, who's not just speed, it really kind of just allows the offense to, to kind of get an edge on the defense. And it makes the defense, forces the defense, I should say, to respect that specific player and that what he's capable of doing for the offense. Yep, I think you're spot on. I think from the overall 30,000-foot view that we're kind of trying to dive into here, adding a player like Waddle just gives you so many options as a coordinator, like Nick said, but also it gives so much more upside to any offense because it opens up spacing. It opens up the spacing we want for a player like Ingram over the middle. It opens up the spacing we want for a player like Rudolph, who's now part of this offense, for a player like Galladay especially, who is now part of this offense. And then even for Barkley, it changes how – he's you know schemed around and how he's impacted and how defenses can play Daniel Jones last year defenses found a lot of success blitzing Daniel Jones that was something that he struggled a lot with last year the Tampa Bay Bucks was a great example of that that game but really throughout the year he struggled with that now if you blitz a player like Jones and you add someone like Waddle and and Galladay to this offense there's a chance that he's going to burn you really badly like if Waddle gets in space and Jones can get the ball out before the blitz gets there that could be a touchdown right there. We watched Waddle turn so many plays into touchdowns that Alabama that shouldn't have been touchdowns. So I agree with you 100% there. My question for you, my next question then for you, Nick, would be if the Giants drafted Waddle, let's say at 11, let's say they sit at 11, Waddle's on the board, they draft him. Where would he slot in on the current depth chart? And would you expect to see him inside or outside? And what percentage of snaps could fans expect at a Waddle in 2021? Percentage of snaps gets tricky because... 
let's say they're all the Giants receivers all stay healthy, which is something that just does not happen because Sterling Shepard seems to miss four or five games every freaking year. But I think he would slide in to a slot to the slot position and he would play probably like 50 to 60% of the snaps. I think they would have to find ways to get him on the field, possibly even more if Jalen Waddle shows that he can hold up in the NFL against these big NFL type of hits. But I think I really want to say though, just about having Jalen Waddle on this team and adding him to this team, it's kind of deviating, kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before is who was your defensive coordinator going up against the Giants? Who the heck were they circling in 2020? To be like, oh, we got to stop this guy. Who, who was that? No one. I mean, Slayton, I guess. Like, like literally, no one. Now, you have Kenny Galladay. You're getting Saquon Barkley back. That's huge. If you add Jalen Waddle into that, man, that, <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Because good luck. Because there's going to be a lot of single coverage for Kenny Galladay. That's gigantic. It's going to be, like I said before, a lot of softer boxes for Saquon Barkley. That's huge. It just it really takes this offense to the next level. And I know a lot of people are like, well, what about John Ross? John Ross, the John Ross that everybody perceived is not the John Ross that came into the NFL. Sadly, he has not shown that yet. Can he develop into something like that? Maybe. But he's still not even the prospect close to what Jalen Waddle was coming out. And he was drafted in the top 10. But I think the NFL has learned from that. So I don't know, man. I, I look at Jalen Waddle and I, I see him and I see him sliding into the slot and kind of stealing some snaps away from Sterling Shepard and then being used in motion uh, a decent amount, maybe even some snaps in the backfield where you can get him out in the flare, expand the linebacker and then have Kyle Rudolph run a little stick route for an easy six yard completion in a vacated spot because they have to respect the speed and explosiveness. I think there's a lot of different things you can do from a Giants perspective. And will Jason Garrett do them? We, we would hope, but I, I do believe that he adds just a totally different element to anything that they have right now. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. And I think even if you did add a guy like Waddle at 11, you could see Shepard go back to playing the outside. He obviously did that last year and the year before a lot with Golden Tate in the mix. And you can mix and match Shepard and Slayton in that regard. Maybe John Ross gets on the field in some regards. I think if you do draft Waddle, though, at 11, he needs to be on the field for 70-plus 70, 70 percent of the snaps as a rookie. Because if you're drafting Waddle at 11, you're saying that. We understand we have a big strength already on the roster at receiver, which in my opinion, it has become a strength. I, again, I may be higher on Shepard and Slayton than most, and I'm, I know I'm higher on what Ross can do the most. But if you're drafting a player like, like, like Waddle at 11, in my mind, you're saying that we believe he can give us such an advantage schematically, given his explosiveness and speed from a spacing standpoint, from getting the ball to him, even in space, that he needs to be on the field for 70 plus percent of the snaps. So I think it would kind of phase out either Slayton or Shepard in some ways from the offense, at least from having such a big role in the offense. Um, because again, we know Garrett's going to want to run some 12 personnel. They have Evan Ingram on the roster. They have Kyle Rudolph on the roster, even Caden Smith. They just, you know, restructured Levine Toy Lolo. So I think you would see him kind of eat into the snaps of those players. And I think as far as Kenny hold up on the outside, there's different ways now to hold up. I mean, so many, so many fewer teams are running like press man coverage off the line of scrimmage. I think Waddle can be fine there as well. But it would be interesting to see. So my next question for you would be, how would he fit specifically in Jason Garrett's system? Yeah, he would definitely, like you said, eat away some of those snaps. But you also got to look, man, just we're one season removed from seeing significant receiver snaps from CJ Board, Austin Mack, <laughs> who I like, and Golden Tate. So yeah. with, with the injuries in the NFL too, man, like I'm not totally averse to the Giants selecting someone like Jalen Waddell. I think they maybe prioritize some other things over that. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little later, but I'm not averse to it. And as for Waddle's 
just transition into Garrett's offense, I think you would have to see just a totally different offense from what we saw from 2020, which is something I'm expecting anyways with the return of Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay's addition. I think that we might see some more downfield shots, but you need that offensive line to hold up, and that's kind of what this is all going to be about because at this point, Giants aren't going to add a top-notch offensive lineman in free agency. It's just not going to happen. They're going to add people like Zach freaking Fulton. So you need to probably allocate maybe a high draft pick in that position, and that kind of goes to the whole argument that we're probably going to talk about a little bit later or debate, I should say. Yeah, and we might hold that off for different kinds of pods. Um, ultimately, I'm not at all opposed to drafting Jalen Waddle at 11 overall, even though obviously everyone knows where I stand, A, on where this roster is already at from the skill standpoint, B, on what important skill players have in an overall roster building approach. But I think he's one of the, the five, six, seven best players in this class. So if you're going to get one of the six or seven best players in this class at 11 overall, I'm just never going to turn that down, to be honest with you, unless it's an IDL or a running back. That's the only really only two positions I'll ever turn down as amazing BPAs that just fall at your pick are IDL and running back, because I do still think wide receiver has much greater importance than both of those positions, especially if we're not talking about like an Aaron Donald type IDL. You, you bring me an Aaron Donald IDL. Sure. I'm super interested, but most IDLs that, you know, have some pass rushing juice, but are mostly run stoppers. That's kind of what I'm saying there. Um, as far as, you know, where they're at, what kind of player Waddle can be and what kind of impact he can have on the offense. All of that factors in as well because it, it is still all passing game stuff with Waddle. And as, as long as you're prioritizing the passing game, I'm for it. Also, listen, Nick, if they draft a guy like Waddle or Chase at 11 or any of these receivers, Devontae Smith, whoever they deem to be worthy of that, they can pretty much skip over, in my mind, skills for multiple years, which gives them an advantage. They'll have Galladay locked up on the roster for, what, a year $16, 17000000 million cap hit or more because they, they backloaded that deal. Let's say $20 plus million cap hit. Then you'll also have Waddle or Chase or whoever it is, Smith, on the roster for you know under $6, 7000000 $8 million cap. And you could lock that in for the next three years and be fine just taking late round guys and day three guys like the Josh Palmer types, the Trayvon Grahams or whoever of the draft with Slayton still running out his rookie deal, with Shepard who would then move off the books at some point. And with, you know, low risk signings like John Ross, you'll be fine. Like you lock those guys in at your skills, at your receiver, and you really can stop investing there. And I'm sorry, stop investing major assets there. So I think ultimately it's more of a, a forward looking thing as well from a roster building standpoint, because you can kind of lock, you still need skill players, obviously. And having two really great ones in for what, what would be under a 30 million combined cap hit would be a great position for them to be in, I think. I, it would definitely be. And like, let's also look at an unfortunate, somewhat truth is that Sterling Shepard's health, man, has not been right. impeccable. He's had concussion issues, which is very problematic. And he's also had just shoulder injuries and like nagging little injuries that kind of pop up that lead to the Giants having Damian Ratley <laughs> go on the field. So I'm not I'm not opposed to the depth. I don't know how much longer three years that Sterling Shepard is going to live out on this contract, if I'm going to be honest as well. I know my uh, boss at Big Blue View has talked about that, and I kind of agree with him, to be honest, which sucks because I really like him as a person and as a player, but he has to stay healthy. And if the Giants do go in this direction to draft Jalen Waddle, that does not speak good for his longevity, Sterling Shepard's that is, on this roster. And Darius Slayton's already halfway through his deal as well. Yeah, you, you nailed it, especially with, with Shepard. I mean, this is a player who... 
less than I know it didn't pop up at all during the 2020 season, but in 2019, he spoke pretty candidly about considering retirement because of the concussions. And he basically at one point said, like, if I have another one more of these types of bad concussions, I'm going to have to I'm going to probably retire. I have to think about my kids. I have to think about my wife and my family. So you're right. I think one more bad concussion could be who knows where that could take a player like Shepard and could what kind of position that could put the Giants and I'm with you I don't think he's playing out the full contract with the Giants I think he will be released for cap savings at some point especially if they draft a wide receiver like Waddle in round one or someone like Rondell Moore or Terrace Marshall in round two something of that nature I can agree with you for sure and Slayton I think is still a bit of a, a up in the air type player as far as his long-term future goes so Ultimately, this is still a need for them, the wide receiver position. It is definitely a need. I think the reason me and Nick view it as less of a need is because just because we think, just because of the weight we put on offensive line play as far as winning and losing in the NFL, and just because of how we've seen too many times it play out where no matter what you have at the skills, and the Giants were a great example of this during the Jerry Reese years. I mean, you don't need to look far to find examples of this. The Jerry Reese years were littered by just constant investments in the skill players even not just the first and set round the second round the third round those are still premium picks and he was pouring them into Ramsey's Barton Travis Beckham who could never block you know General Jernigan Ruben Randall just pouring pouring Mario Manningham I mean yes Manningham worked out but it was another pick poured into that in this uh, in this third round so Ultimately, what it left them with was Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers starting one season after they made the playoffs, going into your season as starting tackles or whatever it was. So, you know, it puts you in a tough position to win when you can't block. And I think all Giants fans recognize this, but it's probably why we view this position as less of a need. All right, Nick, how would Waddle fit specifically? Or I'm sorry, with a player like Waddle, I like his contested catch ability. We talked about that. But I'll say this, Nick, and I'm curious where you stand on this. From watching his film, I did not find him to be the most natural hands catcher. I thought that some of the catches he made that I watched on film, he did let get into his body. Is this something you saw? And if and if it, if it is, is it something that concerns you at the next level at all? I did see him let the ball into his body a little bit, but I've also seen, like as you have too, just acrobatic type of catches as well, where you're like, how the hell did he come down with that? And I mean, he, he only had one drop in 2020, has seven in his career, which is not bad at all. I mean, how many targets did he have? He had a total of 132 targets. I, I didn't come away from his film, like listing that as a big issue, but I think it's fair to say that he's not the most natural hands catcher. There's better hands catchers out there. I think that's fair to say. I don't know the size of his hands. I'm probably going to imagine that they're not overly big, which is probably one reason why it's not as natural. But yeah, I think that's a that's a point that you can make. I, I don't knock him completely for it or, or anything, but I do believe that it's something to definitely way into the evaluation. Another thing to weigh into the evaluation too, Dan, is, and a lot of people have brought this up, is just the lack of overall production that he's had. He hasn't had more than 2,000 yards in college in two and a half seasons, and a lot of people do point to that, but I think the way I would defend that is just he played on Alabama <laughs> with yeah. one of NFL talent. So I don't think that's an indictment on Jalen Waddle, and it's more of just speaks to the embarrassment of riches that Nick Saban has down there. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be the next question I had for you. I guess I could still ask it just to kind of get a little deeper into it. But he did play behind some great receivers. He did have that injury in 2021, even though when he was healthy last year, or I'm sorry, 2020, when he was healthy last year, he had only 100 plus yard games. He was literally dominant. But he has only played 971 career college snaps. That's a really, really low number. Um, does that con does it concern you at all that he didn't beat out the players ahead of him or are those players just so good that it doesn't really concern you? 
Well, I just feel like he was being used because what was he? He was a sophomore. Yeah, I believe he was just being used yep. in, the, in the pecking order and they used Henry Ruggs in the role where Henry Ruggs thrived because he was just a superior athlete than everybody else. I don't think it was just like, oh, Jalen Waddle sucks. He's not going to like see the field. I know that's not what you're saying either. But I think if he played through his senior season and he was healthy this past year, you would have saw him play a lot more. But that just wasn't what ended up happening. He had the ankle injury. But, yeah, I think a lack of production is definitely something that you need to acknowledge. But then you need to go to the tape, study what he can do athletically, what he can do at the catch point, and all the other receiver stuff that we end up talking about. And you, At least I came away saying that the production isn't going to be an issue for me. Yep, I'm with you spot on there. Okay, one more here, and then we'll get into a listener question or maybe wrap up with some final thoughts on Waddle. So my question for you here would be, Nick, does Waddle project to you as much more of a unique and dominant type of receiver of his prototype, which we've ever gone over, than maybe a Rondell Moore in round two or a Dwayne Eskridge type in round three? It depends on how we're looking at this question, Dan. Are we looking at it through the lens of draft valuation, or are we looking at it just as players in the NFL? Just okay. Let me try to be more clear because I see I hear what you're saying now, and I don't really think either of those is what I was trying to get. At, so it was probably a poorly framed question. So let me say this: Is he? We know he's what type of receiver. He's the speed. He's the explosiveness after the catch. He's the guy who gives your offense so much from a schematic standpoint in the sense that he creates so much space. He should, at least in theory, create so much space for an offense coordinator. But is he so much more unique and, and I guess, elite in that sense than those players that you can get in round two, like a Rondell Moore, or that you can get in round three, like a Dwayne Eskridge? See, I haven't gotten a Dwayne Eskridge's tape. I don't know if he's as explosive from what I've seen from the senior bowl. He's definitely explosive. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if he's as explosive. And as for Rondell Moore, I mean, those injuries are really – concerning and i know people will point to the ankle injury but ronald moore has a pretty long list of injuries and he's a lot smaller than Jalen waddle as well he's on the team hashtag short guy brand going on <laughs> which you know more power to the guy but he's, he's not a big individual and purdue's offense just didn't it wasn't alabama's offense so it didn't really allow him to kind of showcase what Jalen waddle showcased a lot of rondell moore's production was these design touches kind of like what i was talking about with waddle that were behind the line of scrimmage and just kind of easier to complete now with waddle he had those but then he had the deep 60 yard post over two defenders and the deep flag route that was caught over the shoulder with excellent concentration while he's jumping in the air you know he just showed so much more because of the environment that he was around i'm not willing to say rondell Moore has x i haven't seen it yet yeah that's fair and i think that makes a lot of sense and i think i agree with you i think he is on another level from that standpoint i think that's why i'm interested in taking him at 11 so We'll always wrap up with these questions before we get into a listener question from our friend Kevin, friend of the show. Always drop. So let's see. If he's there at 11, is it a run to the podium pick for you? For Jalen Waddle, no. I wouldn't say it's a run to the podium pick again just because what if Rashawn Slater's around? What if Pede Sewell falls? You know, I still weigh in Micah Parsons into this equation, so I wouldn't say it's a run to the podium. Okay, it's 11. The Giants are on the board. Slater's gone. Sewell's gone. Chase is gone. Pitts is gone. Are you taking – well, we won't get into Smith yet because we haven't done – I don't think you've done an evaluation on him. Okay, let's throw him in there. Waddle, Smith, and Parsons are on the board. Who are you taking? See, that's where it gets hard, man. I would take Waddle over Devonta Smith, to be honest. But I, since the Giants just have so many question marks with their ability to rush the passer – I might seriously consider Micah Parsons, and uh, I, I don't know how comfortable I am with this. I might flip-flop like a pancake before the draft, to be honest, yes. Dan. But right now, I, I might be leaning Micah. 
right now, I, I agree, we still have time to flip-flop. We were always going to have time to flip-flop, so keep that in mind, people. But right now, I'm taking Micah over Waddle. I think you're getting a little bit worse of an overall prospect for maybe a total pure BPA pro- standpoint. But when you're also factoring in positional scarcity, positional importance, um, and where the Giants roster is currently at, to me, it gives Micah Parsons a boost. And I think all three of those things should always be considered. It shouldn't always be pure BPA. If it was always pure BPA, then uh, the dude from last year, uh, who's the guy, the Carolina Tucker, there's so many examples of interior defensive linemen that would be Derek selected Brown, in the yeah. top 20. And they, that's not even a good example, but like, let's say like any, the dude who the Cowboys got, Neville Gallimore, Gallimore I believe his name is, who's a really good player. Yeah, from Oklahoma. Probably, they probably got him in the 70s. He'd probably be a top 15 pick if there was no such thing as positional importance and scarcity. So there obviously is. And running backs, for example, he would take Najee Harris in the top 10 or something like that. So obviously there are plenty of examples of that. But yes, I agree with you on that. I'm still there. How about this one? Parsons is off the board. Pitts is off the board. Chase is off the board. Are you taking Slater or and Seawall's off the board? Are you taking Slater or Devontae or I'm sorry, or Jalen Waddle? I'd probably go Slater. I really think you need to focus on this offensive line. And you kind of pointed to a lot of other receivers that are going to be around that maybe a little bit of a 75% of what Jalen Waddle can offer, like the Dwayne Eskridges of the world. There's other explosive guys. You brought up Rondell Moore. There's Kadarius Tony. There's Amir Smith-Marset for like a day three pick who a lot of people aren't talking about, who I think is a phenomenal and explosive athlete. He's not Jalen Waddle, but he's still somebody you can add a unique skill set to a receiver room. There, there's It's pretty deep pretty deep wide receiver group. So I would probably lean Rashawn Slater. And it's just the fact that he could play guard too. It's it's that, that seems like a match made in heaven. Yep. I'm with you, Nick. I'm also taking Slater over him. Yeah, man. <laughs> I gotta be honest though, dude, because I know you referenced this a little bit before. I don't know if Waddle's a better prospect than Micah Parsons. I, I think that's something that could be interesting. And I, I got to get deeper into Micah Parsons tape but from the things I've seen, especially just imagining him with Patrick Graham it's like, oh, man, you start to salivate a little bit, bro. I'm not sure if I'm going to put Waddle over someone like Micah Parsons quite that's yet. Fair. I'm, not, I'm not done on that yet. No, I think that's 100% fair. I think that's entirely fair. And if that's the case, I mean, then it's obvious for me. I mean, it is obvious for me anyway. I'm not I'm not taking – I'm almost – it's so unlikely I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to be wanting Jalen Waddle over Parsons or Slater. Just personally how I want to build a roster out and where the Giants are at now after adding Galladay. Galladay, and even to my mind, some extent, Rudolph and Ross, who are still skilled players, they're planning to pay, they're going to be on the roster, can get snaps, won't get as many snaps if you take a waddle, um, versus a guy like Parsons or Slater, who I think can play almost 100% of the snaps in year one. Maybe not Parsons, but Slater, to me, would immediately be the starter, either at right guard or right tackle. I don't even think it's a question for me. You're adding the best athlete by far on your line. If you draft a player like Slater, he's already a better player than Matt Parrott. I think he's going to be a better player than Matt Parrott by a considerable degree. I think it's funny when you look at it. It's like so many people are willing to go receiver at 11, Nick, but those same people are not as willing to go lineman because they're like, we want to go with Parrott. You know, the Giants really like Parrott. Why would we bury Parrott? But why is it the same case? Why is it the same? Why is it not the same for receiver versus offensive tackle? You're still burying good players at receiver if you draft a receiver like Waddle, just as you would be burying Parrot. And even this, to the same extent, it's like corner. So many people were willing to go with a corner, right? And put um, this was before the Adoree Jackson signing. Let's say so many people were willing to go Sertan more than they were willing to go offensive lineman because it's like, well, we have Parrot, but how is it any different Parrot from Julian Love? They're almost the exact same investment. The Giants they were taking what eight picks apart Julian Love 
and um, Matt Parrott and both players showed some promise in their roles. Love so, showed some promise over those final few games at outside corner. Parrott showed some promise at right tackle. And yet right tackle is also – I'm sorry, offensive tackle is also a position that is less likely to translate when you're, take, when you're taking players outside of the top 30 or 40 or 50 picks than corner would be. So I always find it interesting how people are just penciling in Parrott and like we can't overwrite this pick. We cannot take a tackle because it buries Parrott. But I think ultimately you can take a tackle like Slater, especially because, like you said, he has that versatility at guard. I would say the one caveat to just all of this, though, is the character stuff. And like we've said several yes. times, Pat Flaherty, Sean Spencer are going to know about Micah Parsons. And Rashawn Slater, I'm sure they can have some sort of ties to Northwestern. But Jalen Waddell, from everything I've heard about his character and his competitive toughness and him as a teammate, it's just been exemplary. So that's definitely something I also feel like needs to be weighted. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm with you on that as well, Nick. All right, let's wrap it up there unless you have any any conclusive thoughts on Waddle, but I feel like we got to it all, correct? Yeah, yeah. He's good. All right. Let's talk to let's let's dive into a question then from a listener. Kevin actually emailed this one in. We haven't had enough, or I guess too many of you uh dropping in questions in the Apple podcast review, but a lot of great reviews. And I felt like we spent too much time last episode talking about the one negative one from Barcaview. So let's give some shout outs here. Soul Row said, these guys know their stuff. Five-star review. Lobo144, thank you for the review. Arthur, Jay Nuzo, Giant Jeff. Some of these we might have got to already, but I do appreciate all these new reviews coming in. Now let's get to a question from Kevin, because I thought it was an interesting one I wanted to talk about with you, Nick. Question, uh, Kevin said, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this comparison. He says, if the Giants draft Rashawn Slater at 11, it gives them a chance to have an offense very similar to what the 2014 Cowboys had. He said, our O-line and QBs may not be as good as peak Romo, as the peak Cowboy Romo years like 2014, but I think the Dez to Kenny Galladay comparison, the Murray to Saquon, they're both reasonable comparisons. And he says, I see, it seems like they envision Kyle Rudolph in a very Jason Witten-like role. And Derek Dooley was the wide receiver coach for the Cowboys in 2014. So what do you, what do you make of that comparison, Nick? I actually think the Giants would have an edge in terms of just running backs talent, I would say. I would think a Saquon Barkley's a better and more talented and more explosive running back than what DeMarco Murray was. As good as DeMarco Murray was, he, he doesn't have that kind of game-breaking ability that Saquon, a healthy Saquon Barkley possesses. But from an offensive line perspective, even with Slater, I think the Cowboys' offensive line would still have an edge on the Giants. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the that's the one. The offensive line obviously would still have an edge on. The, I like the comparison, first of all, Kevin. I'll say yeah, that. Same, same. I, think it, I think it's really interesting, and I think, like you said, it's good to compare these two things because I don't think that Jason Garrett's running too much of a different system than he, than what the Cowboys were running back in 2014. There's some nuances to it. They're using some zone read, yada, yada, but he hasn't changed too much. And I think it's also important to remember, like like you said, like obviously you even admitted that the Cowboys wouldn't – or I'm sorry, the Giants even with Slater wouldn't have as quite of an elite offensive line. But let's just – let's call it call it what it is. The Cowboys in 2014 had Pro Football Focus's second-best pass blocking line. The Giants were 31st last year, according to Pro Football Focus. So adding a rookie, no matter who that rookie is, one rookie, even if it's Slater, Seawall, even if it was Joe Thomas, it wouldn't give you the jump from 31 to 2. So there is definitely a gap there. Cowboys also had the second-best run blocking line that year. The Giants weren't uh, near, near the top 15, I believe, last year. So – Again, in both those regards, the Giants would still be far off from the offensive line. And then quarterback, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be anywhere near what Tony Romo was in 2014. I'm on record, maybe not on this podcast, but on record as saying I think Romo is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of the last couple decades. I mean, he gets 
pigeonholed as this bad quarterback because he threw some untimely interceptions and because Dallas Cowboys had Jerry Jones running the roster for most of those years and not Will McClay. And because Jerry Jones was running the roster for most of the years, those were some pretty trash rosters with the exception of kind of that offensive line that was really good that year. Um, and so I actually think Romo is a really good quarterback. And so I'm not sure Daniel Jones is ready to get to that level just yet of a Romo, but the comparison is good, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is how much weight do you put in quarterback, how much weight do you put in offensive line versus how much weight you put in the skill position. Because I think what Nick said is right. Like with Barkley, Galladay, John Ross, Sterling Shepard, Slayton, potentially Slater, like you said, Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, Giants actually have an edge, a clear-cut edge on what the Cowboys had at the skill players in 2014. But again, the edge for the Cowboys for me is offensive line and quarterback. And just for me, as an evaluator, I think offensive line and quarterback are incredibly more important than the skill players. Yeah, man, they had six AP All Pros that year. They had they had like eight Oof. Pro Bowlers or something like that. Des Bryant, Zach Martin, Demarco Murray, Tyron Smith were all first team All Pro, and then Travis Frederick and Tony Romo were second team. Like that that was a that was one of the best offensive lines we've seen in recent memory. So like it. I like the comparison, but it, it would it's so pie in the sky to even think the Giants can even get close to that with the development of these young guys because there wasn't one player on that offensive line that I feel like the Giants' current offensive line could kind of hold the water for right now. And that was what? Zach Martin's rookie year, I believe, 2014. He kind of stepped right in the NFL oh, was and amazing. was one of the best rookie offensive linemen we've ever seen. So yeah. could Rashawn Slater do that? Maybe, but I mean, that's still that's that's expecting a lot. Yeah, that is certainly expecting a lot. And even if Ershawn Slater were able to do that, it's still it's expecting a lot to expect maybe Andrew Thomas to be anywhere near what Tyron Smith was on that year. It's probably impossible to expect that. And then obviously Travis Frederick versus Gates. Gates is great. We like Gates, but he's not near the level of a Travis Frederick. And I don't really see that even being possible in his ceiling, really. I mean, Thomas, I see, is potentially getting closer to that Tyron Smith level. Probably not at that Tyron Smith level ceiling, but... His the ceiling for Gates is certainly not Travis Frederick. And then it was uh, what Doug Free and Ronald Leary. Ronald Leary ended up signing a pretty nice fat contract to go to the Broncos, and Doug Free was kind of old at that point, holding down the right side of the line of scrimmage. I, I would love for the. I think the Giants could get to those two players level, but Travis yeah. Frederick, Zach yeah. Martin, and Tyron Smith, man, that's that's high. It's a great line, and it's a reason why the Cowboys were so good that year. All right, that's all we have for on today's show. Thank you again for tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast. If you want to help us out. Head over to iTunes. Give us a rating and review. Give us five stars. Ask any question you want. Throw in any question in your review at the end of your review. We will answer it on this podcast immediately. If you also want to help us grow, check out our Instagram. Our Instagram is pumping out content. And content, I'm sorry. NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. That's NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. All you have to do is hit that quick follow button. It should take you five seconds. And we'll reach the top of your feed with really good content. Finally, we do a live Q&A show with the fans. Every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday night on the Locker Room app. All you have to do is download the Locker Room app. Tuesdays at 8, look for the Giants room. Hit that room. That takes one second. Click request to speak, and we'll get you in. And it's like a radio show. It's kind of like if anyone's ever listened to WFAN, it's almost exactly the same as that. So thanks again to everyone tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.